Hey guys, welcome to the Bohoning Soul podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me again. So um, today's guest that we have is a guy by the name of Greg Krause. He is uh, he's a man. He's a he's a bow hunter in general, traditional bow hunter, compound atlatl. He doesn't hunt with an atlatl yet, but he's got all kinds of interest. Um, really cool guy. Wild Traditions Outdoors is his uh, Instagram handle. And we have, man, the conversation on this one just kind of flowed. We talked for like an hour and a half and just went everywhere. We talked about, you know, hunting. We talked about strategies. We talked about shooting. We talked about equipment. We talked about um, kids. I mean, everything. So it, it was really, really fun doing this with him. Really effortless kind of conversation. Uh, he and I talked afterwards and, you know, it's just it kind of felt like just, just two dudes sitting around a campfire at, uh, you know, a deer camp kind of thing. So. Uh, thank you, Greg, for being on. I appreciate it. So um, just a little bit of, um, I guess, preseason uh, information here for me. My season starts, I don't know when you guys are going to listen to this. It might be a few weeks, but uh, right now it is uh, September 17th as I'm recording this. And uh, this Saturday uh, is the opener for Minnesota. I will not be able to go. Um, my my hunting season this year is looking more and more grim by the day um, between, you know, family life here, uh, but mostly me being gone for, for work. Our travel schedule is absolutely just stupid. I mean, it is stupid to the point where I'm getting like pretty, pretty pissed off about it, but um, I'm going to be gone uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm gone a long time. I come back for a day or two, then I'm gone again. And I, I honestly don't know when I'm actually going to be able to get out into the woods. Like I said, our season opens September, was it like I say, what did I say, 19th or whatever it is on, on the Saturday. I'll be lucky to get in the woods by mid, no, not even mid-October, till late October. Okay, that's how bad it is for me, and I, and it's just eating me up. But um, anyway, I guess I'm going to have to live vicariously through you guys and, and through some of the guests that I have. I don't want to sound really negative about it. You know, I might be able to eke out, you know, going here and there, but... This whole stupid COVID thing is absolutely just effed up everyone's lives. I know there's it's really screwed up other people's lives financially and work-wise, and, and, and I'm not trying to make you know light of that. Obviously, hunting is a hobby, but it's something that if you're listening to this, I hope you understand. I'm like super, super passionate. I mean, it just it's it's you know really, really brings me brings me joy, and I'm I I can't wait to get out and. And, and do this all season and to have the season just kind of uh, just one weekend and another weekend, another week, just, just taken away, taken away, taken away, taken away. I, I'm really kind of getting bummed out about it and I don't want to come off as too negative, too, too downer, but um, yeah, I don't know. Wish, uh, <laughs> wish me luck here as far as being able to get out and do some stuff, but um, yeah, this, uh, you know, th this season, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it, uh, for whatever I decide or, or, you know, be able to get out and, and do anything with. And I hope your guys' season, some of you seasons have probably even started at this point. If they have, if they have already, hope you guys have had some luck. If they haven't, uh, you know, good luck coming up. If you have openers coming up this weekend or, you know, next couple weeks or something like that, I wish you guys the, uh, the, be the best of luck. I really do. And, um, yeah, other than that, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to start, um, you know, some of the really heavy travel for, for, for my job coming up and I'm trying to bank some of these episodes. So if, um, 
if if some of these kind of sound or, or they kind of come out of out of sequence or they sound you know like they were recorded you know weeks ago or months ago or whatever i apologize for that but um um everything i talk about i'm, I'm going to try and make it very timely regardless and uh, at least it's not going to sound, you know, uh, so out of whack. So, for example, I've got a, uh, I've got an episode recorded. I think it's about Archer's Paradox that I recorded months and months ago. That's kind of just sitting as like a reserve bank in case I can't, you know, get, get a guest on or something like that. And that's something that can just kind of go out anywhere. So uh, I'm still going to do it uh, every two weeks, obviously. I'm, uh, I'm trying my best to stick to that every two-week schedule. And, um, yeah, other than that, just uh, appreciate all you guys' support. Definitely, uh, please leave me a, a rating. I really, really appreciate the ratings. Five-star rating, go in there. Uh, takes nothing at all to do, uh, especially if you're on uh, Apple Play or, or uh, uh, whatever the Apple one is. Just scroll all the way down, hit the five-star. I don't know how to do it on Google or any of this other stuff, Spotify, whatever, but I'm sure you can figure it out. Uh, Apple's the big one, so please, please go do that. Um, definitely share like share subscribe to to all the stuff tell a buddy tell a friend and uh go check out the youtube channel i'm putting out stuff there as, as, as much as i can i put out another video recently about uh how to tie a um a bridge onto your saddle with uh, uh tubular webbing so with the popularity of, of of saddle hunting and mobile hunting that kind of stuff go check out those videos on how to tie some of these knots properly i want you guys to be safe if you have any questions Go to someone in person and have them show you, okay? I'm doing the legal disclaimer here. I'm, I'm showing you how these knots are tied, but it's up to you to, uh, to, to get to, to seek the right guidance to make sure that you guys are, are doing these knots perfectly. But if you have questions about any of this stuff, I hope some of these, um, some of these videos I'm doing are going to be able to help you out because I definitely needed to learn that last year when, I'm, when I was new to saddle hunting. And there's a lot of confusion out there about ropes and rope terminology and that kind of stuff. So I thought it might you know, make some of these, the series of videos to make the transition uh, to someone new to this a little bit easier. Okay. At least to give you a starting point. So anyway, I've rambled on enough. Uh, like I said, Boning Soul YouTube, Instagram, and go to T, actually don't go to Teespring because you won't be able to find me. Go to my Instagram and in the link, when I say link in bio, go click on my bio. And I, I did this uh, link tree Thing, which you, you click on that and it's got a kind of a virtual tree of all the different um, uh, platforms and stuff that that I'm on so so Teespring the Teespring uh, t-shirt site go check out those t-shirts I, uh, I I think you guys are gonna like them I like them I'm kind of partial to them because I designed them I like them and uh, th there's a link to the YouTube channel there's a link to the podcast so it's all kind of in one spot so Instagram is the best place to do that. Go click on the bio link tree and then you can go kind of anywhere else. So anyway, I rambled on for about seven minutes here in the intro. I really apologize for that, but um, that's it. With that said, here is my interview with Greg Krause. Yeah, even when uh, even when you don't want it to do any updates, it just uh, it just go ahead. Does it anyway? Doesn't care. Like, why do you even ask? You know, don't don't humor me. Eventually, it'll just do them whether you click yes or not. Of course, of course, that's what it does now. It just has its own mind, and it's it's kind of scary. Eventually, it'll turn into a robot and, and take over, you know, take over the house and in the world. Skynet. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> you know, well, okay. So, what is what is that? By the way, is that I know it's from a movie that I've never seen. Is that is uh, that it's, Matrix? It's, it's from the Terminator movies. Oh, okay. I've seen. So I've seen yeah, it basically, all. like robots, like have artificial intelligence and you know uh, decide to destroy humans 
Oh, yeah. Not too far off, I, yeah. I, I don't think. D- d- down the road. So some of the stuff, I don't know, it's kind of woo-woo out there. But um, I, you know, I, I listen to Joe Rogan, right? And he has a lot of these, like, AI kind of guys come on every once in a while. And at first, you're like, okay, this has got to be just ridiculous. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humor this. I'm just going to listen to it. And then you get into it, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> what if? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you know, you're talking about dog food, and the next thing you know is like all your social media platforms are blown up with ads for chewy dog food. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I'm talking even beyond beyond yeah. that. Like, uh, of course, I don't have any, any examples right now, but I mean, you know, they've talked about where uh, oh, thinking certain- robots that make decisions exactly and they adapt and they adapt for self-preservation and yeah it's (laughs) yeah yeah. so anyway uh greg kraus uh welcome thank you for doing this uh late again as i always tell all my guests i appreciate you doing this late at night because you're on eastern time yeah no problem um my kids are usually up pretty late anyway too so uh i can't do it much earlier than this either way yeah, yeah, me too. I guarantee you, my daughter's still up. You know, she pretends to sleep, but uh, you know, it, it eventually she'll she'll drift off. But I'm like, nope, I gotta go and and do uh, do do a podcast. So, um, okay, so I follow you on a bunch of different stuff. Obviously, you're on a whole bunch of the forums and Facebook groups that that I'm on, and um, you know, follow you on Instagram and things like that. So, uh, you, you know, I you 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 lead kind of a an interesting life, at least from my perspective, because you do a lot of cool stuff that is what would be considered like primitive, you know, um, like traditional as far as like the, you know, shooting and hunting and, and, you know, life, you know, lifestyle, that kind of stuff. So I kind of want to, I wanted to get into that, but you know, before we dive too deep, I guess you want to tell everybody kind of where you live and maybe what you do and just kind of a little bit about your life. Yeah. Um, I'm from New York. Uh, just about an hour and a half north of New York City. So it's it's sort of big, open, um, like, preserve lands mixed in with, like, subdivisions and, like, you know, five to 40-acre, you know, p- private property lots. Yeah. So it's sort of dotted, uh, like, little towns and some bigger properties. No farmland or anything, though. Uh, I grew up here my entire life. And still live in the house that my grandfather built in like 1951. Oh shit, really? Yeah. So it was all farmland when he was here, and now it's sort of built up into like people commuting into New York City. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a very different place than when even than when I was much younger. But the deer hunting is pretty phenomenal here. So uh, that's why that's really why I stay. Yeah. What, uh, what, do you, what do you do up there? So I, I work uh, as a school custodian, and I've been there for like 16 years now. And originally okay. I took the job because when I first took the job, it was second shift. So it was 2 in the afternoon to 10 at night, and I took it so I could hunt every single day of deer season. There you go. Uh, I was too young to realize like the benefits were really good and the pay was good. I just knew I got like a bunch of holidays and vacation time, and I got to hunt every <laughs> single day. <laughs> I, you know, in hindsight, like, you know, it, it worked out well as an adult for, right. for what I'm doing. Um, but the primary drive for it was just deer hunting. Cool. And it kind of, it kind of just worked out for you. That's, yeah, it worked uh, out for me. Like, you know, it, it, if it hadn't, I would have like had to become an adult and decide, you know, 
to find something else, but it's actually been a really good job uh, and still. Yeah, you would have been one of those guys commuting to New York instead of living up in, uh, you know, in where, it's, where it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's a it's literally two miles from my house. So even now I work a day shift, but I'm out by two o'clock in the afternoon. So I can be home changed and in the woods by two thirty almost every afternoon of deer season. Wow. So yeah, that that's why I'm still so here. So jealous. We have Man, a I'm, I'm so jealous. It's it's really it's uh, yeah, I'm spoiled. We we live in an area a lot of deer. We have unlimited tags. Uh, the, it's archery only in the county I'm in. So our archery season runs October 1st to December 31st, no gun season. Yep. So it's it's really nice for a bow hunter. Uh, I have wow. a Wow, that's uh, uh, man, that that's pretty cool. Is that yeah. so did you did you grow up? Go ahead. Yeah. I think I lost you. Yeah, I can I can still hear you. I don't know if connection's bad or not. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay. I was going to say so did you did you grow up hunting then? I mean, was is is that always kind of, you know, in your blood or? Yeah, I was like the kid that was like, you know, uh, shooting chipmunks out of the garden with a BB gun at, you know, 5 or 6 years old. Uh you know, yeah. as soon as we get our small game license at 12, we were hunting squirrels and and pheasants and whatever else we could find in the area that it was open season on and uh 14 I believe it was 14 was the age we could start bow hunting deer. So at 14, I was I was bow hunting deer. I killed my first deer at 15 with the bow. No kidding. What uh, what bow was that? It was a bear whitetail two. And that was that was a pretty cool deal because that seems pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was like you know it was like the bow. I think we paid one hundred and seventy five dollars for it with a quickie quiver and you know six arrows and broadheads. You know, I mean it was it's just what it, they were cheap. Everyone had them, and uh, you know you could you could find them at any any local shop. So it was a pretty cool deal. My first year, we uh, my best friend and I were still like best hunting partners. We had gone out in the morning. It was a rainy morning in early November. And we had hiked out to a property just across the street from my house. And we figured, you know, we slept in a little bit because it had been pouring and the rain had sort of broken. So we, we started what we called sneaking and peeking, which is, I guess, still hunting. We'd kind of move around, split up, and sort of work this property. So if we bumped a deer, hopefully it would bump it towards the other person, or you'd actually spot a deer and sneak right. up on it. And the morning we had seen a few deer, had no shots. We were actually walking side by side through the woods on the way out. And uh, a little spike horn was chasing the doe and came running right at us. And I had drawn on the, the spike, I had drawn on the doe, and she turned and, and didn't give me a shot. So I swung over and, and shot at the spike. Well, as I shot, he had shot. We had no idea that we had both released at the same time. And our arrows actually crossed in flight and hit the deer simultaneously and dropped it right there. Our arrows were about two inches apart. Get out so of town. That, really? Yeah, I mean, you could make it up. That was it. Wasn't like a one, two, three kind of deal. Like we both were like, "Holy crap!" You just shot. I just shot. And uh, yeah, the deer went went down right there, and that was his first deer as well as mine. Wow. So, that, that 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 okay. That's a very cool story. I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's kind of a yeah. first. We, we can walk know. back to the house. My father was out raking leaves. And he said, "Okay, which one of you guys shot something?" Because he's you know you're giddy you know i'm sure we were you know 15 year old kids just like losing our minds 
we're like, we both did. And he's like, you both shot a deer? We're like, no, we both shot the same deer. And, you know, he had to, like, actually come out and show us how to dress it and then actually see the scene to, like, really understand that. Like, no, we shot at the same time. We killed the same deer. Cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and then years later, my father took the – we uh, had the spike horns. We each kept one, like, like three-inch spikes. And he had a really nice necklace made for me for probably my 17th birthday, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. So I still have that spike horn on a necklace. And and you haven't stopped. I mean, like no, you, no, that you, just you that shoot. just lit the fire. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you shoot a lot of deer. Yeah. Um. So like around here for quite a few years. I mean, it took me. So that was my first year at age fifteen. So I think the next two or three years, I didn't shoot a deer. I used to get buck fever so bad on any deer that. I mean, I'd be out shooting squirrels with the bow at 30, 40, 50 yards, talking compounds. But a deer would come in, and I would miss the deer at 10, 12, 15 yards. Miss, like, by feet. And that happened for quite a few years. And um, it was really frustrating that I could shoot well, and I couldn't do it under pressure. And eventually something just clicked about three, three or four years after that first deer. And I shot three deer that season. I put three perfect shots on three deer in a row that season. Hmm. And and after that, it just really, then it really just got amped up. And I just invested every spare minute I had into into deer hunting. So what is it that you think changed all of a sudden? I mean, was it something conscious? Was it uh, all of a sudden you didn't feel nervous? Uh, you know, what, 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 what made the switch that all of a sudden you're like, we, we more calm. I, I really think it was just a mental thing. Um, I learned to sort of start breaking my shots down into two, to two pieces, which is funny. Cause I mean, that's what, that's what Joel Turner teaches. You know, a big part of, of what he teaches is breaking your shot down into two jobs. And years ago I figured that out and I would talk myself through things not a mantra like like I've learned with him since, but I started talking to myself and breaking my shot down and getting my aim and say, all right, I got the aim. That's the range. That's the pin. That's how it's supposed to be. Don't rush it. Execute the shot. And that was it. I just started not trying to, you know, not get myself so worked up and not try to put so much pressure on myself that the shot had to happen. And, okay. and it wasn't easy to do. But it got much easier the more I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think really getting that first deer, or my second deer, but the first one like out of a tree stand, just how like it's supposed to happen, really sort of broke the ice for me and made it get easier. And then after that, it sort of snowballs. Now I haven't taken any of Joel's stuff, um, but obviously I, I feel I feel kind of like a leech, right? Because he's been on like umpteen different you know yeah. podcasts and forever and ever and ever, and it's kind of it's one of those like okay, like I I know like maybe eighty percent probably of, of what he has to teach, and, and obviously there's way more in the course probably right, but. Um, I, I, I always feel like okay if I'm talking about it I'm, I almost feel like I'm talking out of turn because I you know I, I haven't not taken it I don't want to like say the wrong thing but when you say you broke it down into two different things is it is it kind of where he talks about okay um, you know get your aiming done right get it up and then this is that watch it to keep it kind of thing yep. and then focus on the expansion part of the shot is that kind of what you're talking about yeah so. You know, it's, 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 
it's simple yet it's complicated. Um, he, there's a, he's he goes very deep into it, but basically, yeah, if you start linking your aiming to your shot, you're going to start shooting like way too fast. You're going to get the pin, you know, speaking of the compound or your sight picture if you're shooting instinctive or your uh, the tip of your arrow if you're gap shooting. You're going to get that sight picture. You're going to get close to it, and you're going to just rip that shot. Um, and that can work, and it can also fail horribly. And for me, it was failing horribly because I'd get that pin near the deer and I'd shoot. Like, it, it, your body's just screaming, like, there's a deer. you got to kill it. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Mm-hmm. And once I started saying, okay, I got my aim done, now I'm going to shoot the deer. And I wasn't linking it, so it was like one big movement. Um, okay. And I and at that point, I wasn't near going to near as depth as, as what he has, like, you know, what he teaches. But uh, it was sort of along the same lines. And that made a big, big difference for me to not try to force the shot. I'd get, I'd, you know, I'd get the aim done and then, and then execute my shot just as you do on a target. You don't like throw your pin up on the target and just punch the trigger. I mean, if you get severe target panic, you can. But in general, when you're shooting well, you get your sight picture and then you're good with that. And then you execute a shot. And I feel like in high pressure situations, whether it's uh, shooting in front of a group of people, you know, a tournament or or hunting, a lot of times that sort of gets blended into one giant movement. Yeah. And that's what I had been doing, I think. And after that, I sort of was like, no, no, like I know how to do this. I just got to like really know like that's 20 yards. This is where I'm supposed to aim. This is how I hold. There it is. Now I'm going to shoot. And that made a big difference for me. And then after that, it's just experience. Right. I had a lot I, of opportunities. I, I put myself in a lot of opportunities. I mean, as I said, like, you know, I, I chose a job so I could hunt more. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it sounds stupid, but I just, I was so eaten up by it. And, like, I, I started getting approached by guys from the local archery shops. And in some areas, they were opening deer management programs um, where they had, like, uh, just public land, um, like, uh, different, like, open space land, land conservation land that wasn't open to hunting in the past, but the deer were overpopulated and basically overbrowsing all the understory. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we need to get bow hunters in here to try to thin them out. And it was really sort of a new, a new concept. I mean, people had done it in other places, but around here they really started pushing forward hard and, and keeping uh, track of how well it was working. So I was approached by a few different people because they're like, hey, you're pretty good at shooting deer. Come shoot some deer with us. So there were a handful of years there that we shot. Like I had opportunities to shoot a lot of deer. God, how did you get that job? Um, it wasn't paid. <laughs> and, you know, it was more work. No, no, no. I know. Work. But I mean, like, <laughs> how do you yeah, look I mean, into there that? Were, you know? I mean, there were years where, you know, I would between a couple states and a couple programs I was involved in, it wasn't uncommon to shoot 20 or 30 deer with the bow. Holy crap. So getting into that, it just really becomes, uh, you, you know, you get good at it. You either get good at it or you quit, I think. Yeah. So it just, I got much more calm and it all sort of started really, I, the hunting wasn't easy, but the actual shot part became very, very easy for me. I knew if a deer was going to give me a shot that I felt comfortable taking, that I was going to, you know, make a good shot. You know, mm-hmm. obviously stuff happens. You hit a branch, a deer can move, things like that. But but my control on the shot, I sort of had, had gotten that figured out. 
And, yeah, that, and that's, that's awesome. The, the the part that I stumble with the most, I think, uh, is the, I guess, what Joel would call the watch it to keep it and then just kind of trust there. You know what I mean? Because yeah, that's the my, ex- my expansion, sometimes like I'll lock up and I'll get like clicker panic, right? You know, yep. um, I, I, I don't I don't have it so much with shooting a compound, but um, with with my my recurves, you know, they have clickers on them and they're on there for multiple reasons one is is a draw check right so i'm consistent in the draw but the other one is a psycho trigger and some days i can hit it just fine and other days i freeze up like target panic freeze up and it's it's you know clicker panic yeah and and it's like what it's obviously i'm doing it wrong right because the point of the clicker is to not have that and i'm just i'm i'm, I'm trying to work my way, way through it i've tried different you know you're at um, that point I mean, we all go through that. At that yeah. point, you're thinking, you're waiting for the click, and if you're waiting for the click, you're not expanding. Exactly, and then I'll think that I'm I am, but I'm probably like um, yeah. scrunching my body because I've noticed that before. When I when I get when I get like clicker panic, let's say, and I'm at full draw, what I consider quote unquote full draw, it feels like you know my bow arm is out, nice and you know nice and extended and firm, and I'm I'm you know anchored where I'm supposed to be anchored. All that's fine, and I know it's like I could have another eighth inch of movement or a sixteenth inch of movement or like a half inch of movement. You know what I mean? But even if I feel in my head like I'm expanding, I'm like, why isn't this going off? Why isn't this? And then the anxiety sets in, and yeah. you know how it goes. It's all within a matter of like a couple seconds. You're like, oh shit, what's going on? And then you know you either you let it go or you let down ideally or you, let you just down. start shoulder pulling and yanking it which is which is what punch, i do punching the cl- yeah. clicker by it, yanking through it absolutely and i also noticed that you know sometimes if i uh, i just realized this like i don't know several months ago that when i do get into that kind of like anxiety and i'm worried about it i find that i'm like shoving my fist into my face like my string arm uh, my, my string hand into my face I've, i'm like kind of um, almost like uh, collapsing my, or like kind of squeezing my chest muscles almost, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, it, it's weird. It's going the opposite direction and I'm actually tensing my body and I'm getting, maybe my brain is getting these weird signals from all the different muscles that are not supposed to be going the right way, that are not going the right way. And instead of expanding, I'm just like literally like contracting like inward almost like from like, it's almost like you're holding on for dear life for something, you know, and it's like, and then I'll stop like mid, I can recognize it at least and I'll stop and I'll kind of take my head, you know, away from the string. I'll kind of, you know, drawn back is not that big a deal and I'm not shooting heavy poundage so I can still kind of hold it back and then I'll, I'll realize it and I'll kind of like, Oh, okay. 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 And I'll kind of like back up from the, you know, situation and kind of reassess almost like, I don't know if you listen to this. Do you listen to Jocko podcast? Do you listen to Jocko at all? A little bit. Yes. yeah, well, I mean, he'll his his relating to that would be like detach, right? Just even if you step back just a few inches. So, like, I'll kind of take my head away, and my string will, and my finger, whatever, will not be you know on the face anymore. I'm like, okay, let's try this again, and I'll bring it back to my you know without like shoving everything inward again, and then I can kind of execute the shot. But when I realized I was doing that, I'm like, man, that is a lot of like like body tension that is going the wrong way you know and that's what i'm trying to work through i don't have a solution for it i'm just saying that's what i'm trying to work through i when i start getting issues like that at all i pretty much immediately i have a 25 pound samic sage that mm-hmm. i had a hernia surgery a couple years two years ago yeah. and they're like you can't shoot a bow and i'm like oh i have to shoot a bow so um i picked up a 25 pound samic sage 
And I have I have that set up just like my hunting bows with whether I'm running a limb clicker or if I'm running a grip, grip clicker. Yeah. Um, I'll have that set up that way. And I'll go back to the shooting fairly close shots, working out the form part um, and making sure like I know what muscles to engage. Because on that light bow, I can really feel every muscle fire that I'm supposed to be firing. Mm-hmm. And once I do the close work, um, and blank bailing or, or whatever, even shooting a target, but very, very close. And I know I'm shooting um, mechanically. I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. Then I know for sure it's just a mental thing. And then I'll start backing up and shooting that bow out at longer ranges or smaller targets. And I'll start to feel comfortable and get back to where I'm supposed to be. And that's when I'll end up going back to like my hunting weight bow. So I'll break that out and maybe shoot a whole practice session with a lightweight bow. Um, just to really uh, remind myself how to engage those specific muscles to make sure it's not just a form thing. Right. And if I know for sure it's a mental thing, then you just have to dig deeper and dig harder to just focus on whatever your activation is opposed to panicking about it. And it's it's a very simple thing, but it's not easy. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people um, say that... Um, getting the, like the, the the string off your fingers with a heavier bow, like you get a cleaner release than you do with a lighter bow, right? Because it's it's trying to yank, you know, you, it pushes your fingers out of the way quicker with more force and all that. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at that point, you're not working on your release. You're working on expansion, and they're two different things, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, ideally, you I go back one. I mean, like, I, I'm not a great shot. Like, I shoot well. But I'm not a great shot. I'm not the guy that's going to go out and shoot a bunch of arrows in a tight little group. I usually carry, like when I practice, I shoot one arrow, maybe two. And I try to make every shot count. And I'm the guy that will go out there and I'll make like 10 really good shots in a row. Mm-hmm. But if <clears throat> if I have a quiver full of arrows and five arrow, five hours to kill and I'm shooting, I, I destroy myself. I lose mental edge and I just, I, I do start to fall apart. So for me, I'm the guy that goes out every evening like, when the kids are like, you know, getting ready for bed and I'll go out for 15 or 20 minutes in the evenings. Like if you see a lot of my videos, it's evenings I'm shooting because that's the kids are winding down for the day, getting ready for bed. And I go outside and shoot for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. I just for watched me, your, uh, watch your thing tonight where you put up there, you shooting the cutthroat, the cutthroat yeah. just came in and yeah, I just got done watching that one. So, and that's what I do. And for me, eventually I should be able to get like mentally, strong enough to shoot a lot more arrows well but right now i know i can go out there and shoot like five or six or maybe ten really really good arrows and that's yeah. what i'll do and i try to do that when i try to work when i try to go out there and shoot a lot uh it just i start to fall apart i just lose focus so that's what i work on and when i'm working on actual form stuff i'm shooting oftentimes a blank bell i have a big four by four um block target like a range mm-hmm. target yeah. So a lot of times I'll go in there and when I'm working just form stuff, I'm shooting that. Uh, and I'll work specifically on trying to clean up a release. Me, I always add shoulder to my shot. No matter what I do, I think I have it fixed. I'll video myself and my hand pulls away from my face. I have shoulder added into my sh- into my expansion. It's something I have to work out. I think it's for years of shooting a compound with a lot of shoulder in it. Um, and just sort of how my muscle muscles have developed and muscle memory is. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. And it was, it was killing me to be like, I should be able to shoot without that hand coming away. 
But then I look back and like I can get a bear shaft to fly perfect at 30 and 40 yards. Yeah. So I don't know if I care. Um, I'm not the guy that's going to go out there and compete. Like if you if you waved a wand and, and hunting went away tomorrow, I don't know if I'd be that interested in shooting a bow and arrow. I mm-hmm. love shooting all different bows. I love watching the arrow fly. But for me, it really comes back to the hunting. So yeah. I'm shooting better now, more consistently than I have in the past. So that's instead of beating myself up about not being like where I want to be, I'm I'm finding myself much more content in just being better than I was and, and, and continuing to make baby steps forward. Yeah. Um, g- g- good point on that, because, yeah, in in the, I guess, Internet circles that you and I kind of run around in, people post um, their videos all the time and you can see, you know, a lot of these people, they'll their hand doesn't come straight back it, it it flings off or flings off sideways and stuff and and i'm sure mine does too I've, I've 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 taped myself a bunch of times i've posted a bunch of videos sometimes i do it better than others like i don't like fling it away but i don't i don't really have like the straight kind of back kind of touching my shoulder like a lot of uh, a lot of people do but you're right i can get a bear shaft i mean I, when i'm when i do it well I, I mean i can shoot pretty good i can shoot you know pretty damn good i think but it's 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 a whole different ball game you know in in the field i'm not even comparing anything to how you can shoot um on a target or even on a 3d target or whatever versus like you know on in in hunting situations i'm not saying that but um you're right you once if you if you're not terrible and the thing is actually tuned quote unquote and flying the way it's supposed to fly it's great but um little sidebar here if you uh, do, you follow? Um, do you follow? Uh, she, she just got married, so a uh, Bailey Bailey Cloud. Uh, um, yeah, well, I I think so. I've it, I've seen it, some of the stuff for sure. Yeah, it's it's Bailey and Bailey, right? They're both Bailey. They just they just recently got married. Um, and she she shoots both compound. Um, she's kind of in with John John Dudley and stuff like that. But you know they they shoot Black Widow bows too. Anyway, if you see her shoot. <laughs> that release and that arm come uh, the, her her hand come back is probably now again I'm not a coach I'm not an archery uh, I'm not an Olympic archer I'm not a target archer I'm not you know a, a demer or anything like that but of all the people I watch that release is and uh, that expansion and release is absolutely insane she it's probably so has fast. like it's so it's perfect. so fast you know it's so fast and I'm like and it and it's so clean and it just comes straight back no pluck and it goes right straight back to the shoulder and it's like you know you're right it, the, the quickness of it that, that it happens too is just amazing so if you guys haven't watched um go watch I think I think her is it yeah cloud right I'm not yeah, sure ba- I, know, ba- I, I, I know who you're talking about I know the shot I can see that shot over and over again because I'm always blown away by it right but, right one was Bailey Smith one was Bailey Cloud and now they're the two Baileys it's either Cloud or Smith anyway go yeah. look them up but she if you want to see a, an incredible shot execution go watch her because I don't yeah. think I've seen anybody shoot anybody any better than that as far as that goes so <laughs> so um, are you I, I know you, you you shot compound for a long time um, are you still shooting compound at all or are you 100% um, uh, traditional or why don't you call me back in December and we'll talk about that and find I out know. Um, Same boat. I, uh, I I I've still shot compound you know I'm currently sort of shooting compound I dug it out this year this spring um, I got it tuned up I shot some arrows out of it you know I shot a couple dozen arrows out of it I was shooting out to 100 yards and you know hitting pretty well on my uh, 18 and 1 it, it, 
it just doesn't do anything for me. I really mm-hmm. am not enjoying it. Um, the past couple of years, I've been telling myself, like, well, you still are shooting some deer with it because, like, I'm still involved with some some of these properties that they still want the deer thinned out. So I, I have to produce numbers. So mm-hmm. I've been telling myself, well, you know, you're bringing the compound out to get the numbers. But in reality, the past few years, I've been shooting, I've been hunting, you know, uh, 90% of the time with, with a stick bow and killing, yeah. you know, probably 75% of the deer with a stick bow. So this year is the first year I'm like, I don't know if I even want to take this out because it's just not, this is not really doing it for me. So yeah, I'm at the point where, I don't need to shoot 20 or, or 30 deer or even, or even, you know, five or 10 or you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I've gotten to the point where I don't feel like I have to do that too much for even the properties I'm on. And I'm getting confident enough with the stick bow that I'll probably take that probably 99, maybe a hundred percent this year. Um, yeah. So it started 2005. 2005. 2006, I think, actually. 2006, I shot my first year with, with with a recurve. And it sort of got to the point where we had been shooting a bunch of deer with the compound in these programs I was involved in. And we had a lot of deer around here at the time. Our, our population at one point, they were averaging, they were um, estimating 60 deer per square mile. Oh. So, like, at that point, like, you could go out and see 20 deer in a, in a, in a sit. It wasn't, like, really uncommon. And it got to the point where I was like bored with hunting because we weren't seeing any really good bucks because they weren't moving. Now I know more now about that, but they just weren't moving much because there were does everywhere. They just like sat in some thicket and waited till like a estrus doe walked up to them. Exactly. They were not like, running around doing stuff. Um, and in 2005, I went to Illinois and I shot a really nice buck on a guided hunt, and it was great. And it was a big buck. It was fun. It was it was it was awesome. But it like left me sort of wanting something more because I came back here and I didn't have these like big, like, you know, 150 inch bucks to chase. Um, and I just, I needed something different. So a buddy of mine was like, Hey man, you should shoot a recurve. And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, make hunting, you know, make hunting really like new and fun and exciting again. And it did, you know, it got to the point with the compound in those days that like, you'd see deer come and you're like, Oh, do I really want to drag a deer today? And I'm like, this is not what hunting is supposed to be about. Yeah. So, uh, I picked up the recurve in 2006 and I shot my first deer with it three months. I picked it up, I think in August and I killed my first deer in middle of October in 2006 with it. And like I'd hunted with the compound. I found a really good spot that was ideal for recurve. I hunted it. I shot a nice buck on my second sit. And then, I went back to hunting with the compound for the rest of the season. So a handful of seasons were like that for me, where it was like, pick up the compound, shoot some deer, find a spot where I thought it was really conducive to shooting something with a stick bow, shoot a deer or two with the stick bow, go back to the compound. And that's how a bunch of seasons were. But the past handful of seasons, I've been focusing much more on shooting the stick bow just because it's really where my passion is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I I, I kind of go through the same thing. Um, I I haven't shot anything with with my recurve yet, um, and you know, this year, well, last year actually, I started uh, getting into saddle hunting too. Yeah. And 
Um, I, I didn't get any shots off, right? I didn't really even have any top opportunities until I was actually one time I had a really close encounter and I was halfway down the tree uh, and my bow was already on the ground and we kind of looked at each other and we went our separate ways. And <laughs> that was the closest encounter I had. But, but um, I, I would practice from up there. Like if I get up, I'd shoot, I'd shoot like a, um, I don't shoot judos, but like a small game, like a blunt, you know, yeah. Um, uh, either when I get up or right before I come down just to kind of, you know, like, yep, I could have made the shot kind of thing. And, um, p- part of it is the platform kind of that I was using. Part of it is, uh, I, you, you end up kind of supporting yourself with, with different muscles when you're trying to shoot out of a tree saddle, uh, than you do if you're standing on the ground. And, it's not nearly as big a deal if you have a compound because you yank it back, goes to the stops, you line up, you know, front sight, rear sight, done, right? Um, you, you you need a whole lot more like like muscular musculature feedback, if that's even a term, you know, um, yeah. the way you're supporting yourself, stabilizing yourself when you're trying to shoot a recurve. And I'm, I'm still up in the air, no pun intended. I'm still up in the air whether I want to try that still this year. I mean, I'll try it. But I know how difficult it was. It, it was. It was getting um, in certain situations. Now I've kind of changed my platform around a little bit, so I can have a little bit better stability with my feet, kind of push off one against the other and stabilize my lower half. And maybe I'll be able to, you know, do some of these 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 angled shots should should they uh, present themselves. But um, same deal. I mean, I, I I don't really gain any. Um, joy out of shooting my compound. I've had this thing for a while. I kind of, it's like a Franken bow. I built it. It's custom dipped and blah, blah, blah. And I've got a lot of work into it. A lot of love. It shoots great for me. And, um, you know, I'll shoot a quiver or two full of arrows once every six months and I'll hang it up and I'm like, okay, all right. I hit what I was trying to hit at. It's, it's not doing it for me. But then I, I got to thinking, and of course, this is after I posted on Instagram. Oh, no, I'm selling the bow, you know. So <laughs> call me, call me a hypocrite. But, but my my buddy was supposed to buy it, and then he kind of backed out of it. And I'm like, eh, is this a nomen? So um, it's hanging still downstairs. Um, and I got to thinking, well, okay, I I love hunting and I love shooting animals and eating them, um, you know, just just as much as I do love shooting my traditional bow. But you know, in certain situations, I'm like, I I want to maximize my 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 ability to be able to maybe harvest something or actually, or, or maybe it's even like matching the weapon to the method of, of, of the hunt, you know? Absolutely. And I, and I, and I hunt on the ground like 50% of the time. And absolutely. I would carry my, you know, the last year, even the year before I carried my compound twice with me and both times about a hundred yards into the woods. I'm like, you know, I look down in my hand this doesn't feel special in my hand. I kind of wish I brought my recurve, Yeah. you know, it kind of takes away that luster. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to make any promises to anybody. Like again, you can call me a hypocrite for backing out on it's selling the bow or whatever. You know, I think what we run into like in today's thing. And, and I'm, I love that. Like, you know, the guys, the push, um, stick bow chronicles, these guys now are like, you know, they're really showing both sides, right? Like they're bringing guys in, that like we're trying to recruit compound shooters to traditional archery. And I feel like there's some pressure that like, if you're involved with the stick bow community, it's been in the past that like, if you shot a compound, you know, you were the devil. Um, you were that you were a traitor. I mean, I received so much like, and not like nice fun ribbing you do with your buddies. Like I received a bunch of crap from people in person, um, you know, and online for years going back and forth between the two. The bottom Seriously? line is, 
It's oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd see the compound guys bashing the trad guys and vice versa. And I'm like in the middle here, and I'm like, you know, it's it just, just, you know, enough. Um, and I think you know, today with Instagram and stuff, it's so everybody wants to show like, hey, I'm you know cool because I'm the stickbow guy or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I, and we get like pigeonholed by like what we think other people want to see or what, you know, we think is going to, uh, you know, generate the most attention or how people are going to feel about what we do or, or something external. It really doesn't matter. So like, if you want to go shoot a deer with a compound, like you know, do it. But if you, you know, if you're trying to do that so you can get a deer on the ground to sort of prove something, then it's not, but you don't like it, then it's not worth it. Um, right. It's just, you know, it could be day by day. You can change your mind day to day what you feel like doing. And that doesn't make you a hypocrite. It just makes you human. It makes you, you know, every day you might feel a little bit different about something. Like, I don't really gun hunt. I've killed a couple deer my entire life with a gun. Um, a couple years ago up in Vermont, I shot, a, I shot a buck with the rifle on Thanksgiving Day. And it was great. I made, like, a really nice shot. The deer went straight down. Um it kind of felt dirty to me. I mean, the deer, like <laughs> the deer literally didn't take a step and I shot it like 180 yards and it felt off. It didn't feel good. And then I actually came home and, like two weeks later, I shot a doe uh, with the bow and it didn't go quite as planned. I recovered her pretty quickly. Um, but I had to, I had to shoot her again from the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should have been more upset about that one. Cause it didn't go hundred percent as well. And I was beating myself up about that, but it felt more honest. Uh, and it was yeah. really, it was really strange for me. Um, but that doesn't mean like next year, like if I have a chance, if I'm up in Vermont during rifle season, that doesn't mean I won't pick up a rifle. But, uh, you know, immediately after I was like, eh, I don't know if I like that. Like, I'm not going to seek that experience out. If, if the experience presents itself to me and I can take it and have fun in the moment, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think, you know, we, we shouldn't sort of like say like, I'm a compound shooter, I'm a trad shooter, I'm a, a saddle hunter, or I'm a ground hunter. Just like, I hunt out of saddles, I hunt out of lock-ons, I hunt out of climbers, I hunt from the ground, you know, whatever it takes, whatever I feel like that day. And I think that's what everybody needs to do. Yeah, I think part of the, um, for, for me anyway, part of my, uh, my conflict, I have like an inner conflict going on because I love shooting my traditional bows so much. I mean, I can shoot them. I mean, if I could, honestly, I would shoot them all day. Okay. I mean, like literally all day. Um, that feeling is not there whatsoever with my compound. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 90% of the stuff I've done with this, again, it sounds so douchey to say, but brand of bow hunting soul, um, has been traditional, you know, like all my videos are about how to tune it, you know, how to tune a traditional bow, how to do this. What is, um, you know, Archer paradox, what does brace height do, blah, blah, and all, all the stuff, right. Is been centered around, um, talking about discussing or trying to help other people tune or, or whatever with, um, traditional bows, traditional archery, um, that kind of stuff. And it's almost like, cause, cause I, I, I jumped so head headlong into it like three, four years ago. And I'm still like, just you know, like a pig and shit. Just, I, lo- I love it hundred percent, you know? Um, but then like all of a sudden you, like you said, that, that dirty, you felt dirty, you get that dirty thought creep in like, man, 
I didn't shoot anything for the last two years. I, I would really like to get a deer down, you know, no matter what, whether it's with a rifle or a compound or a muzzle loader, or especially like given the limited amount of time, especially this year, I'm going to be lucky to get out a half a dozen times this year. I mean, this year, my season is, I mean, our season opens on Saturday. I don't think I'll be able to get even into the woods for like another month and a half at this point, you know, um, which really sucks. But um, yeah, it's, it's that, that internal conflict too. Like, man, I do all this stuff and I put out all this content that's 99% related to traditional bows, but then you almost feel like, okay, am I going to feel dirty picking up a compound and walking into the woods because this is my one opportunity I might get to, you know, to hunt or, or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still up in the air, you know, but then last night I was, I was shooting both my, my recurves and that's like lights out. I'm like, of course I can do this with my recurve. You know, I mean, I'm setting up at the same distances that I would with, with a compound. I don't need to take my compound. I, I can do this, you know, but come whenever I actually set foot in the woods, I still can't tell you right now. If you were to ask me, I can't tell you what I'm going to have in my hand. I don't know. Yeah. So what I had done sort of to make it easier decisions for myself, and granted, I was spending more time in the woods than, than a lot of people get. But if I knew I was going to a spot that was like, say, super thick, right, I was going to have shots like sub 25 yards. It just became like that was the spots. Those were the spots I'd hunt with with a recurve. Um, other spots like our, as I said, we had so many deer at one point that our woods are sort of like decimated in most areas. So you can see like, a, you know, there's no understory. You can see 200 yards. Um, like wide open, you know, big open, like uh, closed canopy forests in a lot of spots. Um, and it's, it's starting to close up because we've reduced the deer numbers. It's, it's working wonderfully. But when I would hunt those spots where I'm like, oh, I'm in a funnel, but the funnel is 100 yards wide or 120 yards wide, I'll pick a tree in the middle so I can shoot 60 yards to either side with the compound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so over the years, like I started like gravitating towards like g- becoming – like a better hunter, not just climbing 30 feet up in the middle of a big open woodlot and using range to get me on deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I started realizing that like most of my shots were sub 30 yards for the past bunch of years, even with the compound, it made it much easier for me to start using the recurve more yeah. because it, it, it was, it was not as much of a trade off at all. And then what I started doing is like early season when it was like I was specifically targeting does, I'd bring the compound out and try to just just knock a bunch of does down, fill the freezer. My right. my family, we just we don't buy red meat. Like we we eat a ton of deer, we just eat venison. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like to get the does down. It helps, as I said, the property owners where I'm hunting as well. Yeah. But do that, and then like once we got into that like late October time phase where I'm sort of more concentrating on shooting a buck, that's when I pick up the recurve because like that was the really fun, exciting thing. Like never knowing what's going to walk by the stand, what's going to happen. And that's when I wanted like that recurve in my hand. It just felt really good to be doing something. You know, it felt like magical. I I don't know. It's, it sounds stupid to say that, but it was really, um, so I would, I would rut hunt and only like really go after bucks and, and mostly more often than not really trying to target mature bucks with the stick bow, which seems stupid. My buddies are like, dude, hunt the, hunt the does that are like, you know, not on to hunting season yet, early season with the recurve and then take the compound out during the rut. Um, but I, I really wanted to have that experience chasing, chase, chasing deer during the rut with the, with the stick bow. So, um, early season and late season, I'd hunt the compound and middle season was with the stick bow. And that's sort of how I functioned for the past bunch of years. Yeah. Um, past couple times that I actually, last, last year, again, last two years, the, the, the once or twice that I took um, in each season that I took my compound with me, um, I found myself 
uh, not consciously because of it, but I, I found myself when I was set up and whether it was a tree or in some thicket somewhere or some, you know, ground, you know, ground, you know, natural blind or whatever. Um, I found myself setting up in areas. I'd, I'd look around going, you know what? Like I'm like sub, sub 13, 15 yards here. Yeah. If, if something comes by and in my mind, I, I'd even went to one place, um, Last year, I went to I went to a place that I had gone previously, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, like you were talking about, you can take a longer shot. So, hey, I'm bringing a compound. Once I got set up, though, and actually really looked around and really looked at where the where the um, where, where the deer trails really were, and the sign really was, and the, and the tree that I had picked, they're not going to be in the middle of some you know hundred yard wide expanse of you know, swath of uh, you know open grass. You know, they were within eight yards of the tree that I picked. Yeah. You know, so you I, part of that is like, OK, you just got to trust your woodsmanship and be like, OK, if they do come by here and they didn't. But, you know, they had obviously at some point I'm good with either weapon, you know, yeah. and, and I guess we just got to get over that. I think you have to just be willing to, you know, for me, going from the guy that was out there just, you know, shooting a lot of deer and, and doing all this and then the prospect of going to going to a season where I, I might not shoot one or I shoot a deer or, you know, it was, uh, it was, I don't want to say scary, but it, it seemed, it was, it was hard to like sort of get past that for a little while mm -hmm. yeah. um, to sort of give up the advantage. And I think, you know, for me, it just took some time now. Like I don't want the advantage I want, like, you know, I'm, as you said, like I'm building, I'm building broadheads. I'm doing, you know, and I'll still shoot my compound. And tonight I was shooting a WF-25. I'm shooting a wharf bow tonight. Um, I'm, you know, I have a elk heart that I set up with homemade arrows. I, I just want to have fun now. I want to do whatever I feel like. And if I feel like shooting a, a 41-pound, 70-inch bear bow rig for deer one day, and the next day I want to shoot, uh, you know, a stone-tipped arrow, then I'm going to do that. And if I want to shoot a compound the day after that, I'll do that too. So I don't know. I just, we're, it's fun. Like this is supposed to be fun and people drive themselves crazy, crazy mm -hmm. trying to figure out like what they're going to do or, you know, what happens if I don't get a shot at that buck? You know what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens if you don't shoot that buck. You know, he's there for you to try again tomorrow. And that's all that happens. Yeah. And it's not life or death. So, I think everyone just needs to like really just, you know, see what internally motivates them and just go with that. I think we're susceptible to, to tribalism too, whether we, we know it or not, you know, because, because, because it's nice to label yourself as I'm a, this, you yeah. know, I'm a ground hunter. I, you, you know, unfair advantage with, uh, you know, tree stand because a lot of the old timers will say that too, before, um, tree stands came around, you know, you got to meet them eye to eye, you know, it's, it, it's, that's not really hunting if you're, you know, death from above kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, stick bow only, you know, and it's like this badge and it is a badge that you should be proud of. Should, you know, if you, if you pull it off, obviously, absolutely. But, um, that, that doesn't mean, um, and I'm not trying to get woo woo on a grand scheme of like the world these days, you know, but you know, you can kind of see the other, uh, other side a little bit and it's okay to have, you know, <laughs> two different points of view or more, you know, within, within you, you know, and, and just kind of go with what feels good that day, you know? Yeah. Uh, like a not, I, you're a non-binary, <laughs> non-binary, non -binary. <laughs> 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 oh boy. 
<laughs> I'm not sure. Did you just coin that? I'm not really sure that that one. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. So I guess we can um, j- just to kind of flow along here with, with, with when we're talking about equipment then. Yeah. So let's, let's stick to the, to the, to the stick bow side. Cause that's kind yeah, of like, again, it seems like more, our, our passions lie more there. And, it, yeah. but, um, you got a bunch of bows obviously, and I probably shouldn't even ask you this after the conversation we just had, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Like if you were to pick like the one bow, you know, that, that you're going to grab and it's, uh, you know, for, for all clips. For, yeah, not even the apocalypse, but I mean, just for kind of for all seasons, um, for all game, uh, fun factor, beauty factor. Because let's face it, I, for me anyway, I love looking at these things, right? I mean, if you're if you're sitting there and there's nothing coming by, you might as well look down and see this 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 beautiful bow sitting in your lap, right? But what you know, what what do you, what do you what do you go for? What do you what do you pick? What would be your favorite? I guess. Um, I have a Stalker Coyote FXT. Okay. I picked it up used, um, I don't know, a handful of years ago. Um, I had I had some issues uh, with a couple of bows um, blowing up on me, and um, I don't really want to get into that. But uh, so I was looking around, and a couple of my buddies were shooting stalkers, and I'm like, man, you should just like South's a solid guy, like just get a stalker. Uh, and one of the guys said, actually, a buddy of mine just bought one, but. He buys bows like every week and sells bows every other week. So I think mm-hmm. he wants to sell it. Do you want it? So I bought this bow sight unseen. Uh, I didn't even shoot it. And uh, and, I, and I took it home and I was like, ah, I don't know. And I, I didn't shoot so well the first couple of days. And I thought maybe I had sort of made a made a mistake. But within a week or two, like that bow just, just we fit really, really well together. And uh it just, I've taken that in the woods. This will be this year. I mean, it's, I'll hunt with it at some point this year, but uh, I'm going to hunt with a wharf bow starting this year. But that stalker, I've killed a ton of animals with. And really? it's just a beautiful bow. It shoots really well. Uh, it fits me really well. It's quick. It's quiet. It's it's everything I could want. It seems really, really stable, really durable. Um, I've, you know, beat the crap out of it so many times i've had have have south refinish it for me already once and it's gonna have to go back in pretty soon um but yeah it's it's awesome Hmm. what uh what are the specs on that one 60 inches long 53 at 28 okay so I, i pull right around 28 okay okay um it did it did it tune pretty pretty good for you i mean was was it was it pretty quick i mean because um what i hear about a lot of the 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 stalker ones is you know they've got a nice flat grip i've never actually that's a lie i have shot one but um it's got a nice flat grip you know it doesn't torque in your hand kind of thing did did you did you find that did you find it like a natural fit for you yeah yeah i felt felt really good this one isn't like the newer flatter grips i mean it still has it's still indexed and it's um he's been making more like target grips on a lot of his bows but this was a sort of his classic grip um, it fits really well. It shoots really well. I shot it off the shelf for years. I killed a bunch of stuff with it that way. Shot it well. Uh, when I got serious into tuning, it was just it wasn't the bow. It was some of my my release, my finger pressure and stuff. And I wasn't getting really clean flight with bear shafts, so I slapped a bear weather rest on there, and that mm-hmm. I was able to. I mean, it just it just hid my my faults. But then the thing was just shooting lasers. That thing is magic, isn't it? I, lo- I love those. I love those weather rests. Yeah. 
you know, if they come up with, and I, and I think they they do, but I have I haven't tried them. But if they come up with something that is a little more durable, as far as like the like the the arm, you know, the the, the rest itself, because yeah. um, because it, it wears down over time, you know. Yeah, um, I have so much problem with the arm, but that little um like strip that bump out on the side of the uh, you know on the window side basically. Yeah. That wears down, so I just I immediately cut that off with a razor blade and replaced yep. that with a strip of Velcro. Um, yeah, I, I just I just cut that. I just shaved that flat, no, no matter what, and then I just, you know, wh- whatever that tune is, my tune is from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, the I bump shaved- out's there. Yeah, I mean the bump out's there so that you only have like one little tiny point of contact there. It's to minimize the you know hort the contact yeah. in that plane. But I I've never you know I've never had an issue with it. I just I just you know cut it off. I mean you can't do anything about the wear. Yeah. um on the arm itself yep. but you can eliminate the wear i guess on the on that little little nub so but so yeah i've been shooting with the rest for a while now um yeah you know i shoot i've been shooting um for years i've gone back and forth and i always always come back uh originally i started with the beeman mfx classics um which which turned into um the eastern traditional axis arrows mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, I mean, I've gone back and forth to, a, you know, a handful of different arrows, but I always come back to those. So. Uh, and those are the, uh, they're 266 then? Is that? 204. Oh, the 204. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're an axis arrow, um, but they're, they're the traditional ones. So they're a little heavier because they have that fake wood grain on them. I'm not doing it for the looks. I mean, it looks nice, but I like that. I think it has a little bit of durability and certainly adds a little bit of weight. Oh, that adds weight. Yeah, the wrap adds the weight. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I usually jack jack it up. So, like, I'm shooting uh, this year. I'm shooting or a lot of most years now. I shoot 340s. And I mm-hmm. leave them long, and uh, I just front load them. So, depending on the bow I'm shooting, like this year, I'm shooting three different bows that all take the same arrow with just different head weights. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I can sort of bounce that around. But yeah, so I'll end up, you know, depending on depending on the year and the tune and everything else, I'll end up with like a 650 to a 700 grain arrow usually. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you're kind of around what 12 12 grains per pound? Is that somewhere? I didn't haven't done the math, but somewhere uh, around yeah. there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So 53 pounds, 700 grains. Yeah, it's somewhere in that range, I guess. Um, somewhere I don't in that range. That. I don't I don't measure my FOC. I don't really. I mean, like I weigh my arrows, but I don't get into like how. I just don't do a lot of thinking about it. They're flying really good. I like heavy arrows. I'm not into. I've played over the years with compounds and with trad bows, like super high FOCs, EFOC stuff. Mm. Maybe there's some real benefits to it. I didn't see what I really thought was. Um, I was getting great impacts, but I, I felt like sometimes they were kind of impacting a little bit, like sideways and crosswinds, whereas just like an overall heavier arrow seemed mm. to me maybe to drift slightly off impact but hit a right. little truer. Right. Um, and I mean, uh, I'm not discrediting FOC and EFOC, but I think if you get into that like 15% range or whatever, you, you're golden. She's a big heavy arrow. Yeah. I've never had any issues. Um, I basically shoot through everything. So I, I'm not really going to change anything. You're at uh, 13.2 grains per pound, by the way, in case you wanted okay. to know. Cool. <laughs> I just did the math there. Um, no, that's that, that's good because I don't have the anecdotal uh, evidence, you know, because, uh, you're, I mean, you're the one doing all the shooting. But that seems to be kind of uh, the, the, the counter 
um, argument to like super, super high FOC. Yes. I mean, the, the, the tip is going to lead, but you know, then you've got the, the issue of the back end being susceptible to get out of line with the front. And, yeah. you know, I, I guess you got to weigh what's more important now when I, when I do it, I'm, I'm, I'm up at like anywhere between 24 to 26%. Okay. But, um, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that, you know, 18 or 20 or wouldn't work or 16 wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Um, I think Aaron Snyder hinted at something the other day and I know like Cody Greenwood, a trad lab, I think they're doing like studies on this stuff now. And I think Aaron hinted, hinted at something the other day about like, um, watch out for, 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 you know, Cody's, Cody's going to have some revelations pretty soon about, um, the, the negative effects of going too high of FOC. I don't, I don't, I'm, I may be completely making this up. I'm sorry if I'm totally wrong, but you know, this, this episode won't air for a few weeks anyway, so it might even <laughs> be out by then. Who knows? But, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that needed to be tested and analyzed. And I, I, I guarantee you the, you know, the push guys and Cody or whatever are probably testing this, you know, just to, to death. And I'd really, really like to know because there's, there's two, two kind of schools of thought on that. Like you're, like you're talking about versus the like super, super high FOC and you know, what, what, what it really does a in flight, but then B in once it, it impacts the animal. And I could see both arguments, you know, so um, some of what drove, some of what drove my, like my arrow building in the past was flat out durability. When I was starting to build these arrows, I tried higher FOC stuff, but a lot of the arrows I was getting, some of the Victory HVs and things, they just weren't as durable. So yeah. um, I didn't want to break arrows. I like to shoot squirrels. I like to you know, stump shoot. I like to shoot through a deer and then still have my arrow to clean off on the other side and not you know, have arrows break and... And, uh, you know, I, I don't like the half half insert, half outserts. I'm just not a fan. I really like this hit insert. And mm-hmm. I, w- I had been footing them with aluminum shafting for quite a while. And now yeah. I'm using, this year I'll be using the iron wheel collars. Right. And it, they just seem bomb-proof. I was and, just going to say bomb-proof. Yeah, that's what everyone and, says. You know, and, and penetration-wise, so it goes back to where I said that, you know, the week after I shot that deer with a rifle, I, I hit a doe and, and it sort of didn't go as planned. But that deer was 20 yards away. <clears throat> As I shot, I, I really – I pulled the shot a little bit, and she kind of spooked and took a couple hops. She was broadsided about 20 yards, and I shot her through the rear hip. But I went through the near hip, hit the offside femur, shattered the femur like it was hit with a rifle. I mean, it was splintered in a dozen pieces. Wow. And then about 18 to 20 inches arrow exited the offside ham. Wow. And she went down, couldn't get back up. I shot her again. Um, she, you know, she died very quickly, but uh, the penetration with that was unbelievable. And that's a huge bone to break. Yeah. Um, plus all that muscle. I mean, it's, 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 you know, a foot of muscle plus some heavy bone. So yeah, you're, you're talking the actual like femur bone. Itself. Femur, we're not just, we're not like, just talking like the, the, the joints and, and, and shit. No, we're no, talking I'm the talking actual like femur. The yeah. femur bone. When I, uh, yeah. I have a walking cooler and we hung her up to butcher her uh as i like started to cut the meat it just the hindquarter fell off wow um yeah so when i see something like that like you know 20 yards getting that much penetration going through heavy heavy bone i I, i'm not gonna i'm just not changing anything unless something revolutionary comes out i have a durable arrow and i have plenty of penetration that's only you know as i said it's 53 pounds 
Yeah, you know, it's always fun to tinker, but you you, you kind of always end up coming back to, you know, kind of what you like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it's, um, you know, like actual like hunting related, you know, like whether it's broadheads or whether it's the build for the arrow or whatever, or just if you try different arrow arrow weights or, or whatever – and you're trying to get like different sight pictures, let's say. I don't know how you, we can get into how you shoot or whatever, but I, you always kind of end up getting back to like, eh, you know, because people always talk about like, um, you know, like 10 grains per pound and that gives you like a flat trajectory, blah, blah, blah. I really like being around 13 because the way I shoot, the way that my my eyes, my my whole kind of sight picture, my, you know, the Polaroid, you know, in, in front of me, you know, captures everything. Um, I really like the arc the, the the flight that i get from like around 13 grains per pound i really like that i've tried super light i've tried you know even heavier which wouldn't be bad but you know you, you kind of end up you kind of end up where you end up you know but i still like to tinker <laughs> Absolutely. you know but you still come back like eh, no i'm gonna i'm gonna undo everything i just did for the third time and kind of end up where i was like three months ago but yeah. that's the fun part yeah i have my arrows are pretty slow i don't know what they shoot um they're pretty slow. They have a pretty good, pretty good arc to them. Um, I shot for years and years and years. I've shot ex- exclusively instinctive. Um, so for me, watching that arrow arc was really, uh, I could just imprint the trajectory, I guess. Um, and, and it worked for me. So I didn't like to change from that. Now, if I was hunting somewhere where I was expecting further shots, um, I'd probably, you know, uh, I would probably, you know, build an arrow, maybe slightly lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to get a little flatter trajectory yeah. but for what i'm doing it's it's perfect right now i have a like a barely have a fixed crawl on the bow i'm shooting i mean barely it's like an extra knocking point basically yep. below the second knocking point um and uh and, and it puts me on um i'm basically lollipopping at 22 yards it's dead on at 25 which i don't particularly like actually because it covers the target mm-hmm. so really like um on a small target, it, 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 it kind of messes with me. On a deer target, it's all right because I'm holding on the spine. But, yeah, t- 22 yards is my point mm-hmm. on now with this bow because it's kind of slow and I have a little tiny bit of a crawl on it. Yep. So I'm really, really enjoying shooting these, like, just big, big, heavy, slow tanks. That sounds exactly like my my arc because my, my point on is, is 25 and, yeah. uh, you know, and my, and my, my arrows are 560 and 530, depending on the bow. Um, and they're going 144, 145 feet per second. Yeah. Uh, not that that matters, but I, I chronographed them at, at the range over here. So that, that's what, that's what they're going. And that's out of a 38 pound and a 41 and a half pound bow. Yeah. Um, which, which is, is amazing to me because I, I've got, I got a 59 Kodiak and that's a 38 pounder and it shoots the same speed as a, the Grizzly that I have. And it's smoother, you know, that's like three, four pounds heavier or whatever, the same, the same weight arrow. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of neat, but they both kind of shoot, you know, the, this, the same, uh, relatively the same trajectory and all that stuff. And I just, I just kind of, I, I, I like that, um, I don't know. I like what I see basically when yeah. it flies and it's the, you know, the repetition, the, the, the mental pictures is, is pretty much, much everything. Are you, are you then physically, you said you got a bit of a, a tiny bit of a crawl, but, um, are you then, are, are you gapping at all or are you just kind of like overall sight picture split vision? Is that how you doing it? Um, say for like a 15 yard shot, maybe. Yeah. So until this year, uh, until last year, so I'd been, you know, I'm definitely cognizant of my point, have always been. Like, I, 
I say I'm instinctive, but sure, maybe some sort of split vision, uh, feels good gap, in, in, yep. instinctive gap, I, you know, something along those lines. I don't know. Um, I pull it back, see how I want to see, and I let it go. So that's how I've done it for years. Last year, I sort of um, figured out my point on at that point was 32 yards on my Coyote with the arrows I was shooting. So I knew my point on was 32. So if I got up to 30, 25 to 30-yard 30 range, I was using my point um, to aim. Sort of anything in that, like, you know, closer to 20 and in range, it was pure instinctive. So this year I put a small crawl on it and have been shooting instinctive. Um, with the crawl out to about that 20-yard mark, and then I'm starting to use, you know, 18 to 20 yards. Then I start – at that point my point is on the target, mm-hmm. um, whether it's low on the target or whatever. So I'm, I'm starting to I, – I, I'm paying more attention to that. Sort of almost it started off as uh, reconfirming my instinctive aim. And now it's becoming like sort of a go-to method as I reach those point ons because I just know it's it's bulletproof. Right, right. Um, but yeah, inside I don't like trying to. I've, I've been playing with it, even tonight. I was playing with it. I don't like trying to gap at like so you know you know that that the twelve thirteen yard range is your is your tallest gap. I'm holding you know quite a few inches under the deer at that point. Um, I don't really like trying to gap and hold a point like under a deer's chest. I tend to shoot them high. Yeah. Um, just at the targets here because I'm holding it too close to the chest. I want to, I want to end up sitting that point right along the belly line and end up shooting on my high, high lung target. Mm. Um, so I do better, I think on those closer shots, just going with like whatever I had been shooting sort of instinctive or, um, you know, split vision or whatever, whatever term you give it. Right. Right. So I'm sort of shooting instinctive, you know, out to about 20 yards and then, and then I'm using point on for the last, you know, five, five or 10 yards. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. I'm I'm kind of gap instinctive too at, at, at that point because it, it, I, I've tried gapping and to me, wh- whether it's you know below, um, you know like below the target, you know like kind of in in, in midair, let's say, you know, yeah. you know, or or even on the target, like I I I need my my tip and my point of you know intended impact to be a lot closer. Than, than yeah. that you know what i mean so um you know heavy arrows gets me there um and uh you know i don't crawl i i've i've, I've done the crawl thing i've tried it um i think what for me anyway once you get past unless you get like a longer bow but once you get past to me it seems like a half inch uh, the, the tune just goes to shit i know you can tune it out and, but but it never sounds as 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 crisp or as as sorry it, it doesn't shoot as crisp and it's never as quiet as it is with, you know, not, not crawling. You know yeah, what I mean? Mine, so I, I kind of gave up on that. And I don't even think mine's a quarter inch. I mean, I, I don't even think, you know, it might be a quarter inch. It's, it's, it's really just, I always have two knock sets mm-hmm. um, for my arrows. And like, this is just sort of an extra knock set under the bottom knock set. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it brought me from like a, like a 28 or 30 ish point on to that 20, you know, closer to like I was, you know, I was lollipopping, holding at six o'clock, at like twenty eight or thirty, I think, and and that brought right. me down like twenty two with that. So it brought me like five or five or eight yards. Yeah. And last year I had some issues where um, I missed a few deer last season, like pretty close, because I had spent so much time like practicing my point on distance at, at thirty two yards that I was getting these like 10, 15 yard shots, and I whiffed a couple of them, like shooting really calm, like went through my shot process. Like it wasn't like a buck fever, just like 
rip it and grip it thing or it was uh deliberate shots but i kept just nosing that point up near too close to the target without thinking about it because i'd spent yeah. so much time shooting that way um and then i was just hammering the you know 18 to 25 yard shots so this season i've been practicing a lot more like out of a stand and shooting those like five to 15 yard shots because that's where most of my shots generally are anyway yeah um, so I wanted to bring with a little tiny crawl. I just brought my point down a little closer to that. So, uh, you know, I generally don't shoot a deer much over 25 yards anyway. So yeah. that, so that point on it, like, you know, I really like that 22, 22 and in is like really golden for sight picture. Yeah. Um, someone was asking me the other day, um, at the, not the other day, a while back or whatever at the range. And it's like, well, how do you do that? You know what I mean? And again, I'm, I'm by no means like a great archer or great, you know, but I, I was shooting well enough to kind of hang with, you know, some of the, the non-elite compound guys, let's say, you know, yep. there's people that, that shoot compounds and I can shoot on a good day. Again, these are like Insta groups. Okay. I'm not yeah. saying I do this all the time, but you know, if I really, really concentrate, I can do the, you know, like a small fist sized group at 20 yards, you know, indoor perfectly air conditioned, you know, space, whatever, you're not in a contorted position. And, you know, some of the less experienced compound guys are having bigger groups. And I'd be like, you know, how do you do that? And, and one of them came over and said, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn, I think he'd picked up a Samick Sage or something like that. And, you know, how, how do I do that? Can I aim? Can I do, I said, you know what, you can do whatever you want. Okay. First of all, don't let anybody tell you, you can't put a sight pin on this thing. Okay. Yeah. If, they, if they do tell them, tell them to go screw off. Um, but I said the, the way that, and, and it took, like some people take to this like so quickly. It took me years to shoot the way I do. And, and, and it really pissed me off because a lot of times, like if I pick up, if I like dive into something, I'll, 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 I'll pick it up pretty quick and I'll, and I'll get up to speed. This one kicked my ass for years and only, it's only in the last like year and a half, maybe, um, that, that I've, that I'm confident enough to be like, Oh yeah, okay. I can hit what I want to hit, you know, to, to a very small degree. Whereas for the first couple of years, I'm like, Oh, I, I, I'd, I'd be shooting at a bag target and I'd get like, you know, out of a quiver full, I'd get like two in the top, right, two in the bottom left. And then one, you know, stray somewhere. I'm like, how the hell, you know? So anyway, I went down a rabbit hole there, but I said, you know, there, there, he was asking me about gapping, you know, can you use, you know, I've heard about this gapping, blah, blah, blah. And I said, do this. I said, gapping doesn't work for me, but I've tried, um, if you stick with, you know, pick an aiming method and actually do the aiming method and shoot thousands of arrows, I said, eventually you're going to get from, um, and again, we're not talking target archery. We're not hitting little X's at like, you know, 30, 40, 50 meters or whatever. But I said, eventually you're going to get to a point where your sight picture is so ingrained and you're, you're. In your mind, that you're gonna some at some point you're gonna transition, and you won't really know when. You'll just look back and 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 you be like, oh, I'm shooting this way now. But your brain goes from actually aiming, aiming to this whole split vision kind of thing, and you kind of take in the entire sight picture, and your brain kind of calms itself, like, yep, this looks good, and then you get to quote unquote instinctive or gap instinctive, you know, and that's kind of that's what happened to me and that's the only advice that i can give because i didn't learn another way you know like so yeah. I, I i can only relay like hey this worked for me so you know go ahead and try it kind of thing but that's the beauty of this there's so many different ways to to, to, to shoot these these damn sticks you know i have a buddy of mine the guy that was like pick up a recurve that'll be fun it'll be a challenge for you um and he says 
well, you want to hunt with it this year? And I said, yeah, you know, I, you know, I'd like to, but it's it's August. Uh, we opened October 15th. I'm not really sure that's like a feasible, you know, never yeah. shooting a, a stick bow to hunting with one in, in three months. So he says, hold on a second. I got just what you need. So, you know, I ended up getting the bow and whatever. And I come over and he slaps on um, a nap flipper two. I think it was a flipper two rest. Mm-hmm. Stick on rest with a little uh, wire. Yep. Um, with the, uh, I guess it's like a Teflon sleeve that goes over it. And I said, okay, so now what? So he says, I want you to anchor, th- shoot three under, which, you know, I'd like, I'd never seen anyone shoot three under, man, hardly ever, you know, knew what it guys were shooting with recurves. I mean, as kids, we shot recurves. But, um, and he goes, I want you to anchor high on your cheek. I said, okay. So the arrow was like right, like, you know, right there up by my eye. Yeah. And he says, I want you to take, and he had me anchoring sort of on the side of my face. He says, I want you to take the tip of that wire and place it on the bullseye and shoot. Hmm. So I shoot, and I shoot like, you know, way, you know, say high to the right or whatever. She's all right. Don't worry about the height. We're gonna like you know back you up or move you forward, or whatever. That, that's that's the height. But he took out a pair of uh, wire cutters and we trimmed down that wire rest. And the way I was anchoring it actually because your point on is is above the target. Um, yeah. You know uh, how I ha- how I was anchored. So I actually was able to use the rest. We trimmed it down and made a sight out of the rest. Hmm. And I used that to put that point, the the very tip of that rest on the target and I could hit it like fairly quickly, especially going from a compound with sights. It was a sight post. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, that's how I killed my first deer with, with a stick bow was with that. And I used it for a year or two and it definitely had limitations. Like it had like quite a few limitations. I, I felt like, um, but it was like, it got me in the game like fairly quickly. It gave me an aiming method. But what I ended up finding is like, you know, shortly after doing this, like y- you start to develop the sight picture without really using the sight. So you could learn the trajectory of the arrow, and you could sort of pull away from that. But right. you know, if you if it takes that, or it takes throwing a, a sight on, or they make those sights that are just like a, a loop, like a like a um, I see them in Three Rivers. It's just like a circle um, that you sort of bracket over what you're going to shoot. You know, if it takes something like that to get you in the game and get you shooting, like go for it. And if you want to, you know, if you want to take it off later on, great. But you know. There's no again, like I, I caught a whole lot of hell at the archery range for using a rest, especially when guys found out I was using it as a sight. And guys, it was you know they were like you know why don't you just shoot a compound? And I'm like because I want to shoot this. Um, so that's how I started, and I think you know whatever it takes. There's a million resources out there to find different ways to shoot to aim. Absolutely, yeah. You know, use them and then see what works for you. Yeah, I I, I agree on. Uh, well, I had a Sam Sage when I was learning. And uh, I actually went and bent up a uh, uh, welding rod, um, yeah. I belt, bent that up, and I welded that to a washer. And of course, it's got the you know like the burger button holes. You know, they're they're tapped in, or maybe they're yeah. Is it the burger? Yeah, is the burger hole, or is it the uh, quiver hole? Either way, whatever, it's tapped yeah. on the side. So yeah. you know, I made this like L l-shaped kind of like single pin you know so it went forward and then and then it cut back you know to you know into the site site window kind of thing and you could raise it up and down by loosening the the bolt and retightening and stuff and you can bend the wire in and out to get your left and right and i was using that for a while yeah. you know i mean no shame i don't care you know what i mean i i want to i want to get better i want to get consistent 
you know, and whatever it takes you to get through, and, and you know, a big part of it is confidence. Like if you're all over the map and, and it's just one more thing, it's like, well, what am I doing wrong? Cause you got so much stuff to worry about. You got to worry about your bow arm. You got to worry about consistent draw length. You got to worry about uh, a good release. You got to worry about back tension. You got to all the stuff and, and aiming. So if you take one of those things away, if you need it, Okay. But if you take one of those worries away and be like, okay, here's a pin, quote unquote pin, and just wherever it goes, just keep, just put the pin on it and they can all be high and right. And they can all, but as long as they're there, you're getting a consistent group somewhere, your, 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 your repetitions for everything else, um, your shot execution is, is what you, you're actually working on, but it's having the actual sight pin there takes away the worry of aiming as well. And if that works for you psychologically, fantastic. Why not Absolutely. do it? You know? Absolutely. I mean, you look back and it's like all the old bows you still find on eBay from like the 50s and 60s, they're all tappers. Oh. It's all the old target bows. Absolutely. And I get they're so sick tappers. of the, the freaking trad police with the, you know, same, same as you're saying, you know, why don't you shoot this? Why don't you shoot that? It's like these people, they're, they're self-appointed trad police by the way and they're the arbiters of what is trad and what is not and it's like have you forgotten your history open up a history book all of these had sites on them they had slider sites they had elevated rest they had all kinds of you know whatever i mean and going back uh i'm gonna say thousands of years i I should brush up on my history better but i mean you know the mongols and the turks they're they're using thumb releases it was a release (laughs) you know there's lots of ways to shoot this thing so you know it it, anyway i don't want to go down that path that's uh, that gets me riled up and i want to stay positive with it but um one more thing to wrap up on on your um uh your, your setup there you said you're running iron wheel collar are you running iron wheel broadheads too or, or what are you using up front yeah um i'll definitely be shooting some of them i shot them with a compound a couple years ago great heads i shoot a lot of deer they're really expensive so um they're not like always my go-to head i ended up i i, I have some this year so i'll definitely be they'll be in the quiver i have some 200 grain iron wheels um i had bought some wides for a bear hunt that got canceled this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, the wides just have a little bit of a hiss for me, and these deer are so jumpy here because they, they really do get shot at a lot. And um, I, I So I ended up with them, like the wide heads, you can take them out and change them with a solid standard, the vented wides. So it's still 200 grains, but it's a solid head, so it's a little quieter in flight. So Got I'll it. be shooting those this year. I'll have cutthroats in the quiver this year. And then what's sort of been my go-to head for a very long time is the VPA three blades. Um, okay. I have, that's like, I don't even know how many animals I've killed with those. They're just, they're, they're phenomenal. So I'll have those three heads in my quiver this year, all 200 grains. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't think my bow has, has the oomph. Either one of my bows has the oomph to, to, to push a three blade through something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sticking with uh, Zwickies and uh, the tough head uh, uh, meat heads, you know, they're nice. nice and long and tapered and stuff. So I got another pack on the way, actually. I just uh, ordered some from, uh, from from Jason up there. So, um, all right. I want to transition. One last thing here. We've been on this thing for about an hour and 20 here. At Laddle. Tell me about the Atlatl. <laughs> How did you get into this thing? Because because I'm not going to let you go without talking about this. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, uh, I don't even know. I, we were at a primitive gathering a handful of years ago at the Archery Club, and like a guy had one. And I'm like, this thing's amazing. Um, you know, and I, I could barely throw it. I think I you know almost dislocated my shoulder, and I couldn't hit anything. And I'm like, it's still amazing. Like, I suck, but it's still amazing. Um, so at some point along the line after that, I uh, – I took an old 
I wanted one. And I took an old, um, I had a piece of oak flooring. And I just like quickly, like the outlaw you'll see sometimes in some of the videos, it's really rough because it was a piece of oak flooring. I basically like used a hatchet and uh, a belt sander in like 15 minutes to build it. <laughs> um, like it, it's like all wavy and everything because I split I split it along the grain with a hatchet, but it didn't really, you know, the grain's all wavy. Yeah. Um, but it works. I took a little deer antler, shoved it in there and, and made the point for the atlatl that, you know, the uh, the part that actually holds the socket of the of the of the shaft of the dart yep and uh a buddy of mine had a bunch of ash hunting atlatl darts like super heavy darts and we traded i think a bunch of turkey wings he was making stuff with turkey feathers so i traded him a bunch of wild turkey wings for a bunch of darts and i started building darts and then i started throwing them and i kept hurting myself and throwing my shoulder out and because uh, you know your instinct is to just like chuck this thing as hard as you can but that's not how an atlatl works like, it's got some leverage, right? It's designed yeah, so it yeah, has leverage to leverage yeah. arm. So you, you sort of throw it like, you know, smooth, not really right. hard. Like just like you're having a toss, like with somebody. let it do the work. Like, yeah, like you know, it's yeah. like throwing, it's like tossing a baseball to someone you're having a nice leisurely catch with. You're not trying to like throw a fastball across home plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just like play around with it, and like we hang out in Vermont, and like I keep it up there. We have like a field there. And we like throw out a milk jug and shoot at that, or uh, you know, we'll like have a couple beers and hang out and like throw out laddles and you know, it's just like, you know, spears and beers. Um, spears and <laughs> but it, so how heavy are these darts by the way? How, how yeah, heavy? I don't know. They're heavy. Um, I mean, they're, I, they're heavy. Cause you know, it's, it's a six foot ash shaft. That's as big around as your thumb. Okay. So, um, I mean, you can get way lighter darts. That's like technically a hunting dart. Um, but yeah, so you just, you know, it, that is like real muscle memory stuff. Like just the more you do it, the better it is. Once you like learn a technique, just that is like the thing you just do over and over and over until, until you get good with it. Talk and about throwing a baseball, off. right? Because we talk about the whole instinctive thing. Like it's just like throwing a baseball. Well, yeah. it would yeah, seem to I me this would be more like throwing an actual baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure though throwing a baseball really like applies to archery. I mean, I, I get the idea behind it, but yeah. yeah, it really does apply to an outlaw. Right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, a handful of years ago, my daughter was first born. I was able to take a bunch of time off, um, sort of like paternity leave, um, when my wife was going back to work. But there was an overlap of a handful of weeks, about a month. So I had a newborn baby, um, and we were up in Vermont just, like, hanging out for a month, which I've never had a month off in my life. Um, but it was amazing. But, like, you know, it's like nap time. And it's like I can't go out and shoot the guns. Or, like, you know, it's like the kids are sleeping, you know, my daughter's sleeping inside. Uh, so I was like, well, now's the time to really like play with this atlatl. And, um, I spent a lot of time doing it. I have videos somewhere on some of either, either on Facebook or Instagram. Like I'm holding the year later, I'm holding my, or maybe it was that year. Well, you know, she's like, you know, six months old. I'm holding her in my arm, in one arm while I'm throwing the atlatl with the other and still hitting targets. Um, it just, <laughs> so how, good are, how good are you with this thing? Right now? Not great. Um, at one point I was really good. I think if I spent a few weeks back with it, like really with it, I'd get really pretty good again. This spring we spent a bunch of time in Vermont and, uh, and I, and I started playing with a lot more. My daughters really wanted them. So we made a couple like real, uh, quick ones out of some, um, young Aspen shoots and they're like so easy to make. Uh, it's just a handle and, and a dart, um, and some feathers. It's, it's really easy to make. There's so much fun and everybody should like just have one to screw around with. Like I... <laughs> You know, if they open up a hunting season here with it, like I might take it serious enough to really 
like dial it in again and actually try to hunt with it because it would be pretty pretty amazing to do. But for the most part, it's just like it's just fun, you know. It's like it's like when you're a kid and you get your first slingshot. Like mm-hmm. you just go out and and I guess like you expect to suck with it. So well, as you get pretty good, you're really excited about it. You know, it, it's not like a if I go out and I suck shooting my recurve, like I get pissed. Um, you know, this, you go out and you just, you have a lot of fun with it. So like my wife throws one a little bit, like the kids, both kids have one. You can make little like, uh, rests that hold the dart. So the kids don't have to like sort of pinch the dart with their fingers. Hmm. I don't know. It's so much fun. Yeah. It it looks like it. I've never actually seen one in person, you know, And, and, and I don't really have a, a, a desire to like get go down that road you know what i mean but it, it yeah. would be cool to just 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 to shoot one like or, or throw one whatever you whatever you call it uh i don't know a dozen times maybe just just to see if i like it you know <laughs> yeah i mean you know i don't take it super seriously but you can get really good with it um i i know some guys that are really really good with them and you know i was hitting like a consistently putting every like dart into like a a five gallon bucket, like, you know, 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you're not like, you know, regularly hitting small targets, but you're hitting that sort of big target, and, you know, in closer yeah. ranges, you, you can get pretty good. I had a 3d target up there for a while and I could keep most of them in the kill zone of a 3d target, you know, at ranges I'd consider hunting ranges. Really? Uh, yeah. But again, like I was doing it, you know, you know, a few hundred times a day for, you know, a month or, you know, whatever it was. Um, God, my shoulder hurts just thinking about that. Yeah, once you learn the <laughs> technique and you're not really trying to whip it and it's just sort of like lightly throwing it, it just right. really just use the leverage and the weight of the dart. They don't move very fast, but they hit with a ton of force. Yeah, kind of like a spear, obviously, you know, yeah. I'm sure. Um, you know, I can throw it. Like if I get behind it, like, you know, I'll show people. We had, we had a, a bunch of kids come up one time, my buddy and my buddy and his kids, and we all built out laddles and one of the kids took up to it so good. We were throwing aerial targets up and he was knocking aerial targets down. He was probably six or eight at the time. And he was knocking aerial targets down with an atlatl like the first day. What? Of the yeah, it was, it was, I'm like, oh man, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it's like fun for kids. Like it's, you know, it's the investment of making one or building one is like really like nothing. And, you know, it's a lot of fun, but you can show like I can throw a spear as hard as I can. I can throw the dart by hand and it goes 20 yards if I throw as hard as I can with the thrower, it goes 80 yards, 90 wow. yards. Yeah, I mean, if you're throwing, like, up, like, you know, like, uh, thinking, like, English Warbow style, like, mm-hmm. trajectory. Um, but, yeah, they'll go, they, it'll go far. So the amount oh, of energy Lord. you put into them is, is, is really amazing. Yeah, but, man. I like there's, there's... With, you know, I like dabbling with all sort of the more primitive stuff. Just for, it's fun for me. And that's why, I like. You know, a buddy of mine built uh, some stone heads for me a couple years ago, and we made a match set of arrows, and I, and I shot a nice little spike horn um, with a stone head. I mean, it worked flawlessly, just as good as a steel point would have. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I purchased a couple. I'm, I, I, I play around with napping, but I have no, um, you know, no, like, illusions of grandeur. Like, I'm not the guy, as of now, maybe down the road, who's going to, like, make a nice hunting head. So... I purchased a couple from uh, Ryan Gill, Gill's Primitive, mm-hmm. um, last year. So I have a couple arrows. I hafted up with that. And then, like, for me, metalworking is pretty easy. So I've made some, like, trade points. So, like, that's the fun stuff. It's just, like, little projects that keep my mind going, keep me busy. And, like, if I get to use them, they're almost always hunting-oriented because at some point I'll use them 
you know, probably to harvest a deer. And that'd be really, you know, it's, it's fun to like put a little more effort in, you know, a little more like uh, energy behind what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, dude, we've been doing like an hour and a half here. Wow. Um, I know, I know. See, we can BS forever <laughs> just on shooting stuff. You know what I mean? That's what I love about this. Um, I, I guess, I guess we can kind of wrap. Is there anything you want to touch on that we didn't that we didn't uh, touch on that before we wrap up? Or oh, I think I think that's it. I think uh, you know what I'm gonna say is like you'll see like anyone who like watches in my stuff, you'll see my kids are involved in all of it, and mm-hmm. that's something I do want to touch on really quickly. Yeah. Um, like it's too easy. Like it's hard to take your kids out all the time, and like you just want to like work on like man, I just listened to this podcast about like how to do the hook better, right? Or how to do the release, and I want to do that. And it's really hard when your kids want to go shoot to just not be like just 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 go over there, go inside because I want to work on this particular thing that has been driving me crazy all day. I've been thinking about. It's important to take the time to like really just get the kids shooting, like yeah. get the, if they if they show interest in it, like. I see too many guys or, or women, I guess, take their kids, wait till their kids are 12 years old before they take them hunting because that's like when they can get their license. And by that point, the kids aren't really that interested. My kids love this stuff. And my girls run around like princess dresses half the time, but they love like all the hunting related stuff because it's been a part of their lives forever. We've made time. They go on blood trails. They're actually pretty good trackers. Um, they come on blood trails all the time. They help us cut up the deer. They help us cook the food. Um, they want to shoot their bows. They want to shoot their BB guns. You know, I just took them squirrel hunting the other day. We had so much fun. Saw that. Um, and I think like, you know, at some point maybe they'll decide to hunt, but like they're much more involved and invested in everything that involve that revolves around hunting. Cause like we've involved them in all of it from the beginning, opposed to waiting until they're like quote unquote of age to like be like, let's go deer hunting now. And you're like, you know, the kid's, you know, it's foreign to them at that point. So I just think it's important for all of us to remember, like, you know, anyone who has kids, like just involve them as much as you can, whether it's, whether it's cooking the venison, even if they don't want to like, you know, go out and help track it, but like just involve in all of it and really explain it to them. And hopefully that's, what's going to help us like continue this lifestyle that we have. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've tried, uh, my daughter's eight and she, she, she's not an outdoors person, you know, so she's got, she, she shoots her bow maybe, I don't know, once, once a month, maybe for, I don't know, 15, 10 minutes at the most, you know, and then it's like, okay, but move on, whatever. And I'm not forcing it on her, but she knows, you know, daddy hunts and she knows, but, but the, but the number one thing that I've tried to instill in her since like she could comprehend any of this stuff is we eat stuff. Okay. Yes. And it started with fish and she would help me, you know, she'd go fishing with me or whatever, just, just little sunfish, bluegills, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. And, you know, and she'd do that. And then it moved on to, Hey, let's make sausage or uh, let's make jerky. You know, where does it come from? This is deer. This is blah, blah, blah. You know, and into, you know, today we made, um, uh, mountain lion tacos, you know, awesome. I had it in a crock pot all day long. I had a, um, a shoulder, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the scapula, you know, yep. roast, um, sat in a crock pot all day long, fall apart off the bone. And we took that made, you know, and to her it's, it's normal, you know, yeah. quote unquote normal, you know? Um, so even though she doesn't, she doesn't right now have an interest in like, Hey, let's go hunting. Let's go sit in, you know, in the woods or whatever. I I'm okay with that. Cause I've introduced her to it and I don't want to like push her off, like forcing her to do things, but no, I'm, I'm happy that I've, instilled like you know food doesn't magically appear in in, in saran wrap 
you know, so she gets that. She gets that. And then when she asks me, hey, what's what's this or where's that bone from? And I'll actually show her. I'll actually point to like my body and be like, yeah, it comes from here on the animal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it helps her visualize some, some stuff better. So, I mean, what, whatever you got to do, I guess, whatever level to, to, to get them engaged in that, understanding it, but then just like not not overbearing, overburdening them and then pushing them away. You know, and I don't no, want to do that you either. Don't so. wanna, you don't want to force kids to do it. Every kid's going to have different personalities. I think the hard part is like sometimes just putting – doing this stuff with them in front of like what we want to do. Like I like to go out and squirrel hunt with a shotgun like once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Like if I go out by myself, I'm going to get a limit of squirrels. Like, you know, that's just not a question. Yeah. I go out with two kids and I'm like, Oh man, like there's times where I'm like, Oh, like everyone's like singing songs. And we're like, you know, are we really <laughs> hunting squirrels? Or are we singing songs? Yeah. Um, but then like, you just have to step back and be like, no, they're having fun for them. This is hunting right now. Uh-huh. So they're associating hunting with having a lot of fun. And like we shot two squirrels. Uh, you know, in like four hours, but like, you know, we had like, you know, a a box of cookies and two bananas and a thing of juice. You know, it's like, it's a a picnic and, and, and the squirrel hunting's part of it. But the next day, my youngest, who's three woke up and I was at work and she's asked my wife if we can go squirrel hunting again today. So I I just think, you know, it's important to make time and involve them in like every aspect you can, like the cooking stuff or, you know, it doesn't have to be taking them hunting. Like kids, and if you take them hunting, expect it to last like 15 minutes because they're going to get bored. Like, Absolutely. Um, but I just think, you know, people ask me like, oh, how, why are you girls doing, how do they do that? Or, you know, how do you find time for this? Or like when I'm scouting half the time, like you'll see videos I'm scouting, like kids are with me. Like because we're going on a hike and they know now like we're looking for rubs or we're looking for scrapes or we're looking for this. And the more we include them in the whole lifestyle, the yep. more, whether they decide to do it or not, the more they'll understand it and they'll see like the benefits and they'll enjoy it opposed to waiting until they're 12, 15 years old. And then being like, come on, we're going to sit in a tree stand all day long on November 12th when it's five degrees out, because we're going to shoot you a giant buck like that. You know, that's foreign to them. It's it, it just, I don't think it works like that. And I think that's some of the problem we have recruitment of hunters. We hunters, we put, um, you know, we put so much effort on what we want to do. We want to shoot a big buck or we want to shoot this. And we sort of put off what the younger generation is doing until they're quote unquote of age. Whereas like, you know, uh, my gen, you know, I, myself growing up, we hunted squirrels. I mean, my father, my grandfather, they hunted small game, rabbits and squirrels. And that's where you learn a lot of your woodsmanship and your patience and your sort of respect and the love of hunting. And I just feel like kids are missing out on that. So take a kid small game hunting if you can. Like introduce them to any part of archery and hunting and, and whatever else and, and just get them involved. And that's uh, – it's something I really, really believe and I wish more people could just could just embrace. And it, I understand. Believe me. I understand. It is a lot more work than just going out and doing it yourself. But mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's an investment. Yeah, I kind of I, I I don't have a uh, any kind of like hunting dog or whatever, but it, I kind of rem- like a retriever dog. But it kind of reminds me of when they train like retriever puppies or whatever. You're not actually doing it for real. You're going out, you're throwing uh, what do they throw those big tubes or socks yep, or whatever exactly. it is, you know? They, and that's, that's and they go get it, and we're we're pretend hunting. So. Yes suck it up and take your kid out and pretend hunt yes. knowing that you're not going to get anything. You know, but if you, this is, this is do, what happens. Wonderful. Oh, you might. I, mean, I, yeah. I set up ground blinds this year. I know my six year old can sit quiet for about an hour and a half. 
relatively quiet, relatively still. I set up a ground blind this year right near my house that will give me a 12-yard shot on a trail that I had left a camera up all year last year and forgot about. And when I pulled the card um, this spring, I had a ton of pictures every afternoon of does coming through there in October. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, we're going to set a ground blind up here and we'll come out in early October um, when you know I'm not expecting them like buck hunting and it'll be warmer weather and hopefully we'll sit the last hour and a half of daylight and hopefully we'll get a shot at a deer. If not, yeah. we'll like have some fun in the woods. Um, yeah. but you know, yeah, make, you know, try to just make it about them and, and include them in whatever you can. And, and hopefully, hopefully that keeps this, this thing that we love going. All right. I love it. So, uh, where can, uh, where do you want people to follow you? Um, I guess wild traditions outdoors on Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, and then I have Wild Traditions Outdoors on Facebook. I use a little bit, and Greg Krause on Facebook. I use a little bit, but I'm most active on Instagram. Instagram. Do you do any? I can't remember if you do any any YouTube stuff or if all your videos are on Instagram. I I can't seem to. Um, I do that. have some YouTube stuff. Um, so I uh, I have a handful of mostly turkey hunts, although I don't turkey hunt a lot. They're just really easy to film those hunts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wild Traditions Outdoors on YouTube, and then this year I'll actually. I'm on the um, video content team for the push. So hopefully right. this year, yep. a bunch of the stuff I'll be doing will be on the push webs, uh, the push YouTube channel. Yeah. So everybody should go check that out too. Cool. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I, uh, I really, I really enjoyed this. I knew I was going to have a good conversation with you because uh, like I said, for you're, you're an interesting guy and you're a pretty passionate guy. So, you know, it kind of flows easily. The conversation flows easily. So I appreciate that. All right, so I'm going to stop the recording here, and uh, everybody, go follow Greg, go uh, and then follow me. Leave a rating, please. That is huge. You don't have to leave a, a review, but rating five star rating would be fantastic. So, Boning Soul YouTube channel, Instagram, all that stuff, and uh, thanks for listening. All right.